السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا ثم أما بعد So how many of you How many of you guys eat only the bee hamid? Raise your hand if you eat only the bee hamid. How many of you don't care? Raise your hand. So which which one is better to eat zabi hamid or non zabi hamid? What do you guys think? I want to hear it. What do you guys think? Zabi hamid or non zabi ha? Okay. Yes. So just say Bismillah. It's halal. Good for you. Mashallah. I disagree, but it's okay. Good for you. <laughs> What else? Do you guys agree with him? He said, Bismillah, everything is going to be okay. You agree with him? Masha. Do you? You don't agree with him. Okay. Anybody else? You guys agree with him? Say, Bismillah, it's going to be fine? Yes? You're, you're okay with that? So this side say, okay, Mashallah. This side say, no, not okay. So what do you guys think? Just say, Bismillah makes the meat, whatever that is, becomes the biha. What if it was pork? Does it become halal? Suddenly, magically, it turns into, mashallah, into lamp, uh, chops, tabarakallah, or it doesn't. As you can see right now, we just made an exercise of disagreement. I just made a question, and people gave their opinions. Now, whether that opinion that you mentioned was based on your research or someone else's research, valid, invalid, I don't know. You made your own judgment. But eventually, that judgment that you just expressed right now was not unanimously agreed on by everybody who's over here. Welcome to the art of disagreement. How can we differ with other people? How should we understand this philosophy of differing with other people? Inshallah ta'ala, in this presentation, we're going to talk about unity and disagreement and division. What does it mean? Where it's coming from? How should we understand that? What is my limit as a Muslim? You know, whether it's with somebody from the same, alhamdulillah, group or somebody from another group or even other faith. What is the etiquette and the manner towards the end? The etiquette and the manner that I need to observe whenever I discuss, whenever I argue, if you want to say, with somebody else who has a different opinion. There are certain limitations, there are certain rules. We need to these, learn these rules, inshallah ta'ala, today. Why today in particular? Why is it more important than any other time? Because we live in a society right now, we live in a society that is uh, focusing and promotes so much of uh, what you could call individual individualism, radical form of individualism. Social media added to this. The whole competition of becoming the high-rated, you know, uh, YouTuber, for example, or influencer, or this or that. It's all about competing to an individual ranking. And as a result, everybody is pushing through. And unfortunately, in the process, etiquettes and adab of how to push through others are missing. We now we, lo we lose that etiquette and akhlaq and the manners because it's all about just proving yourself right versus other people being wrong. So how should we understand this, inshallah? So we're going to learn, bidnillahi azza wa jal, how to talk, how to then understand division itself and what's the meaning of unity. But at the beginning, there are certain rules that we need to, no matter how we agree or disagree with each other, these are golden rules we need to observe because they come in the sacred text, in the Quran, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنَّ مُسْتَقِيمًا Allah Azza wa Jalla is telling us, it's very clear in this ayah here, that مُسْتَقِيمًا This is my path, one path. Allah says, this is one path 
and it's straight and it's clear. Just follow it. Don't go dispersed all over the place. Take you far away from the path that leads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do we learn from this? The straight path that leads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one. And we need to try our, our best to find that, that straight path. Why? Because Allah says there are many actually paths. That's what leads to division. The second rule, people, no matter how much we try, still be divided. They will still be divided, even if something trivial. Like, for example, what's your favorite food? Favorite, uh, let's say, cartoons character, for instance, or anything like that. They will differ on these issues. So does that mean it's, it's haram? We have to fight over these issues. What's the favorite color, favorite food? I don't know. Like, for example, a lot of people, they fight over biryani, for example. Should you add potatoes to the biryani or no potato in the biryani? What do you guys think? How many of you say potatoes in the biryani is the best? How many of you say no, no, no potato in the biryani? Hence the difference of opinion, right? Now, how is that going to lead to the future? Allahu alam. But whether you eat with potato or not potato, it doesn't really matter. Because it's still considered biryani, we'll enjoy the meal, inshallah ta'ala, with each other. But Allah says, we shall always have these differences of opinions. People, they will always stay in difference of opinion also. They will always remain in division. Is it good to be divided? Absolutely not. In essence, in essence, division obviously is not good. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned what the result of being divided. He says, You obey Allah, obey the messenger. Don't get divided. What happens if you get divided? You'll fail. Your power that comes, you know, from your unity, obviously, it's gone. It's going to be gone. And be patient. Inna Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed with those who are always patient. What does that mean? There's a secret formula over here for how to survive these divisions. What is it? Patience. Patience is a very important quality. We're going to talk about it later, inshallah ta'ala. But here the Prophet says in the hadith, when Umar bin Khattab, he asked him, he says, قَالَ وَمَا أُوتِيَ أَحَدٌ عَطَاءً أَنْفَعَ وَلَا أَوْسَعَ مِنَ الصَّبْرِ No one has ever been given a gift. No one has been blessed with a gift better than sabr, patience. Sabr, which patience, in this time particularly, is becoming very scarce. Why? We live in the culture of instant gratification. Everything has to be, you know, like... Prime every time to be actually next day delivery. And if you uh, can't just, you know, order uh, uh, Uber Eats, why do you have to bother travel to it? Everything comes to you. So this is exactly the same thing in our culture. So patience has become a very scarce, subhanAllah, commodity in our lives. All right. Bismillah. Let's get you ready. I'm going to ask you this question right now. I want you to discuss this with those sitting next to you. Where do people disagree the most? Like if we talk about disagreements, what are the top five spaces or topics or subjects in the Muslim community at least here right now, what are the top five areas where people disagree and have, you know, divisions? What are they? Talk to those next to you. I'll give you 30 seconds, inshallah, to decide on a few, to few topics. Bismillah. Is that fixed? Muhammad? Fixed it? You fixed it?
Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Question. Question for you guys. How many of you in this whole room agreed with their partners on the list that they were discussing together? Oh, mashallah, we have good hands, alhamdulillah. But we still have disagreements, right? We couldn't agree on a list of five, probably. But what are these areas that you think people, they always disagree about? What are they? Politics. Here's number one. Politics, especially in our time. Why politics becomes very important. What? Is water wet? Is water what? Is water wet? Huh. That's an interesting subject. <laughs> well, that's a good one. Okay. Say it again. Gender roles, the social basically aspects of our life today. Yeah, what else? Halal, haram, like should you eat the bih, the bih, is it halal or haram? Good, yes. Sports, mashallah. Which team do you, uh, uh, do you cheer for? Very neutral, mashallah, very good. Political, uh, diplomatic answer. Good, yes. Say it again. The start and end of Ramadan. MashaAllah, it's coming very soon, by the way. So brace yourself, Yani. <laughs> Get ready, inshallah, for the excitement of Ramadan. But as you can see, there are a lot of areas people, they disagree on and differ on so many, many things. Some of it goes to economics, politics, social aspects, fiqh rulings, micro level and macro level. So difference of opinion and the disagreement actually is it's big and small. It doesn't have to always be something very trivial or something that's extremely, extremely big. But no matter what it is, it results in the same thing, difference of opinion. The next activity, which is more difficult, to agree or disagree? I'm gonna give you another 30 seconds to discuss with your neighbors, see if you guys can agree, at least or disagree. Now, which is easier, to agree or disagree and why? Go ahead, 30 seconds, discuss that with your neighbors. All right, let's hear from you guys. I want to hear from this side first time. What do you guys have there? Which is easier or more difficult? Which is more difficult to agree or disagree? What do you guys think? That section over there, can I hear you? Agree. To agree is more difficult? Why? Give me your reasons. Yes? You have to swallow your ego because you can tell the truth is coming from the other side, but you know, your ego is just like, no, don't believe it. All right, very good point, yes. So basically when you agree, you have to all accept to one possibility and that's very scary because you have no other option, right? That makes you feel that you're wrong, right? Okay, very good point, yes. So you're saying that to disagree is more difficult and why is that? Hmm, that's a very interesting point of view. Okay, yes? Yeah. 
So to this degree is more difficult because you have to produce all your opinions and, and all your evidences. So you don't want to fight with them, so you're just like, whatever, let's agree, okay? Because to disagree, you have to produce the evidence to support your claim. That's a very good point, yes. So to agree is more difficult because everybody's different. You can't bring them all to agree on one thing. Okay, anybody else in the back? Here, decide, yes? So it's more difficult to agree because we're different. It's easier to disagree, right? Actually, it's easier to disagree. You know why? Because you just simply just, you know, randomly or arbitrarily just say no. That's it. Do you have to produce facts for this? No. Look at President Trump, for example. The best example, whenever, whatever you throw there, he just easily, you can just dismiss that right away. It's easier for people to disagree and just let, let, it, leave, let it be there. But to agree, just like you said, it comes with a lot of energy to swallow your ego and accept your fault and accept responsibility and not so many people are willing to take that chance. And that also comes to the subject of fiqh, subhanAllah. It's easy to disagree, again, because you know, just kind of like, I don't have to go and, and follow their path. I need to keep on my way. And that's something very, very extremely dangerous when it comes to the subject of fiqh. And, and to come to disagree, even you could see that in human life, they, kids learn that from a young age. You know, I have my little girl here, but she's okay. Uh, SubhanAllah, sometimes we'll be driving home from the masjid, and she's sitting in the back seat, and I was driving back home. She goes, Baba, where are you going? And I'm just like, we're going home. She goes, I don't think this is the way home. And I'm like, no, it's the way home. She goes, I don't, I don't think so. I think you're wrong. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> why? She goes, this is not the way home. And then SubhanAllah, she just wants to disagree. Why? Because that gives her entertainment, gives her a, a chance to, to have a conversation. You love that, and as an adult, obviously, sometimes it's, it, you, know, you start itching because you have to prove her wrong, but then you're like, okay, fine, that's never mind. And then as we drive further, we come closer home, she goes, okay, you're right, you're right. The idea is to disagree is, is easier for people to do so. So this is why next time, whenever someone tells you something, before you say yes or no, pause. Breathe in, breathe out. Focus on it. Remember, it's easy to disagree. And that's why I kept telling people, don't worry about disagreeing with people. Just learn the art of agreeing with people. Learn the art to agree. Because the art of disagreeing, oh my God, it's open. It's simple. But the art of agreeing with people is where we have a problem with. Let's talk about and understand the meaning of disagreement. So we're going to talk about khilaf or ikhtilaf. Disagreement, is it predestined or not? And what is the value of consensus and having us together on the following one particular opinion? So number one, we begin with what is disagreement? In the Arabic language, when we talk about disagreement, there are two words for that. So there's a word called khilaf and ikhtilaf. Now, if you study books of fiqh, most of the time the ulama, they use khilaf and ikhtilaf interchangeably, which means they refer to the same meaning. And that means just to have a disagreement. That's in general. but Looking specifically, some ulama, they have actually a very meticulous choice of words to define two kinds of khilaf. So there is the khilaf and there is ikhtilaf, which of course with the extra letter in that structure, that word, that means there's a different meaning and added meaning to it. So the word khilaf, usually it means that something that essentially that leads to discord, which means in essence khilaf is wrong. 
And khilaf is usually bad. That's what they say. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the word khilaf over here in this ayah. قال فَلْيَحْذَرَ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِ said, He says, said, let those beware who descend from the Prophet sallallahu order. They have khilaf with the Prophet sallallahu So khilaf in essence usually is wrong. And the word khilaf in Arabic is actually was derived from a tree, desert tree called al-khalaf. And khalaf in the Arabic language is a tree that has absolutely no fruit. Like it's fruitless tree. So what does that mean? Like, the, you know, you just only get shade from it probably, that's all. But it has no fruit, which means the khilaf that happens between people when they have disagreement, it, has, it leads to no benefit to anybody. That's why khilaf is bad. As for ikhtilaf, on the other hand, ikhtilaf, in the Arabic language, they say it's something that is similar to something else, but with different some ways. What does that mean? A lot of similarities, but some diversity here. That's what it means. If you look at this picture over here, they're all these, you know, colored pencils, right? They're all pencils. They all do the same job, but they're different in what? And given the, the color to it. That's all. So different color for you. So basically the, the ikhtilaf is, is, is colorful. And that's the meaning of the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he speaks about the creation of the mountains, different colors and so on. He says, and tamarat also as well. At-tama, which means fruits, mukhtalifan. He says, he didn't say mukhalifan. It says mukhtalifan alwanuha, which means the colors are actually diverse. In the translation is here, Allah subhanahu wa speaking about them, to be diverse in colors. Diverse in different colors, but still they're fruits, right? Similarly, when it comes to some opinions, some opinions, they might be different, but not necessarily with khilaf, which means they don't have to be contradictory. So now again, we have the word khilaf and ikhtilaf. Khilaf is bad, ikhtilaf is diversity. It doesn't have to be bad, doesn't have to be good. Next. <clears throat> is or was khilaf or disagreement predestined? Which means this whole difference of opinion we have, uh, the disagreements we have in our culture and our lives with our friends, our relatives and other people and so on. Has this been predestined by Allah Azza wa What does that mean? That means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala designed life to always be like this. Or do we cause these differences to cause us all these troubles and so on? We need to look at the khilaf from different perspectives. First of all, part of the divine plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's means of testing us, obviously, He created all these differences for us. Now, to choose, that's our choice, which way to go. Allah says subhanahu wa ta'ala here, وَلَوْ شَاءَ رَبُّكَ لَجَعَلَ النَّاسَ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, He have made all the people to be the same. Like everybody will be the same, not just in terms of their, their colors and their design, also in their ways of thinking and their ways of life, of living. Like he would, he have chosen this subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he says, But they will remain in this kind of, you know, diversity and differences. So it's going to always be the case. Okay. So if this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does that mean? We have to understand, even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he predestined disagreement and diversity of opinion to be part of his divine plan, the overall divine plan, he still commands us to choose for ourselves to stay away from these differences as much as possible. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, Hold on tight to the robe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he sends to you, which is a straight path he, he mentioned earlier. And don't get divided. Do not get divided. Okay, but division is part of Allah's plan. Yeah, overall. And he chose for you to look among all these differences. Where is that straight path? So what's the point of this? That's the test. 
This is the test that we go through in this life. Otherwise, if the answer is already there for us and there's no khilaf, what's the meaning of being tested? Absolutely nothing. So the test is here. This khilaf is actually for us to go through as a means of testing us. <clears throat> How do we reconcile? If you look at this chart over here right now, I hope you can feel and understand the meaning of it. How do we reconcile between the differences that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has designed as part of the dest destiny and, and part of the qadr of Allah azza wa jal and the choices we make to remain together and united. So how do we look at it? There are two circles. The big circle, Imam ibn Qayyim rahimahullah explained that actually very well. He goes, like he says, there is a big circle which is called al-iradatul kawniya. Al-iradatul kawniya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala absolute will to allow all these to happen in his creation. So we call it the allowed circle. And what is the allowed circle? Everything. Having iman and kufr, good and bad, right and wrong, up and down, all these things, they're all there. And having unity and division, having khilaf and ikhtilaf, all of this, part of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed sin to be committed. And he also allowed what? Righteousness to exist. He allowed all these things, subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is all part of the allowed, as part of the qadr of Allah azza wa jal. And then, he, among all these issues and matters that exist in that big circle, he selected a smaller circle. That smaller circle, Imam Ibn Qayyim called Al-Iradat Al-Shari'iyah, which we call in English here, the circle of the command. Means what Allah Subh'anaHu Wa commands us to do. He sent us prophets, messengers, books, ulama, scholars, gave us free will, gave us the mental capacity and reasoning and so on. All of this in order for us to move out of the big circle to go into the smaller circle. And that's why when people say, you know, if Allah wills this for me, it's going to happen. Yeah, Allah wills everything to happen as part of the allowed. But for the good to happen, you need to choose it. You need to choose that good for yourself. And Allah will facilitate that for you. Just like he facilitates the other thing as well for those who choose this to be their destiny. So here, in order for us to get into the circle of the command, and we have learned that the command of Allah Azza was what? To unify yourself, to stay together, and connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, this is the command of Allah Azza wa Jal. Is wa'atasimu bihablillahi jami'an. The allowed, that Allah subhanahu wa allowed it to happen is to stay divided. Now that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will to allow this to happen. But for us, He commands us to be united. An understanding of the command and the allowed again in these two circles. In these two circles. So, no one can come and claim, you know what? If Allah doesn't want me to do this, He wouldn't want me to allow me to do that. No, he allows everybody and everything to happen. You need to choose to be in the small circle, which is the Iratu Shari'iyah. Okay, so based on that, where do you guys think that the khilaf will exist or ikhtilaf? Disagreement, does it exist in the small circle or the big circle? Where does it exist? In the big circle. Okay, what about unity? Where does it exist? Small circle. And by the way, everything in the small circle also exists where? within the big circle. But not everything in the big circle exists in the small circle. Next. Why do we disagree anyway? Why do we disagree? All right, Bismillah. So we're gonna talk about the types of disagreement and reasons behind the disagreement. Okay. Number one. Al-Khilaf, ulama, they divide into acceptable and non-acceptable. The acceptable, they call it khilafun mu'tabar in Arabic. Khilafun mu'tabar, which means acceptable. 
وخلاف غير معتبر non acceptable خلاف معتبر again that's acceptable خلاف and خلاف غير معتبر non acceptable so what does that exactly mean when we talk about acceptable خلاف the acceptable خلاف in matters in all of matters of fiqh like what when you pray do you put your hands on your chest you know a little bit low or do you keep them on the sides now it's not about which one is right right now but at least we say there is validity for these differences. There is valid opinions for these differences. So therefore we say it's okay. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't make a big deal right now. <clears throat> the same thing. Some, uh, and some little things about rules of fiqh. Do you do it this way or that way? These matters are considered acceptable khilaf. Okay? And even, even something such as zabiha and zabiha. It's still considered part of the validity of disagreements, khilaf and mu'tabar. But then we have unacceptable khilaf, or non-acceptable khilaf, ghair mu'tabar. If this is going to be khilaf over what we call them, al-ma'lumu min ad-deen bil-darura, daruriyat of our faith. Things related to the subject of faith and significant matters of, of our deen. Like what? Five daily prayers. If somebody today, let's say, for example, uh, President Trump chooses to uh, uh, select uh, Mawlana XYZ as the Mufti of America, inshallah. And everybody says, like, MashaAllah, we have Mufti for America, Alhamdulillah. Now we're going to resolve Ramadan issues, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. We have one Mufti. And then the Mufti goes and says, hey, Jama'ah, listen, five daily prayers is too much. We need to, you know, the economy is going down, slowing down. So, inshallah, we're going to reduce the number of salawat to one salah a day, inshallah. So the Muslims also just are sending all their takbirat on social media. Allahu Akbar, takbir, now one salah, Alhamdulillah. Do you guys agree on this opinion? But he's the highest fiqh authority in America. He is a great alim. He's a graduate of XYZ Islamic schools and the best school in the world. And, and then he chooses to say, you know what? Khalas, five daily prayers too much. One is enough, inshallah. Would we agree on this khilaf? The answer is no. Why? Uh -huh. These are set in stone matters. Salah, how many salawat? Five daily prayers. We can't touch that. Now there are concessions. If you could not, you can make it up. You can combine. You can all these now alterations. How to do that? But to say no need for five daily prayers, which I know many people they will say, I wish, right? But you can't agree if any authority comes one day says no need for five daily prayers. Inshallah. Similar things about faith and aqidah. Whether it's about the, the sanctity of the Quran, for example, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or rules of hijab, for example, or matters such as the prohibition of alcohol and, 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 and drinking wine. Like if one mufti says, drinking wine in social gatherings specifically at the highest level is okay, inshallah. We live in America, that 21st century. What do you guys say? Finally, alhamdulillah, right? Someone understands. Of course not. We're not going to say that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it very clear in the Quran, it's prohibited. So, not everything, people say, oh, alhamdulillah, we have difference of opinion, mashallah, it's good then, khalas, you could do that. Because a lot of people, they misunderstand difference of opinion, because once we say, well, the ulama, they have difference of opinion, they immediately take this as what? Allowed. Right away. Since there's difference of opinion, that means you choose the allowed opinion, inshallah. Who said the allowed is the actual, you know, standard for choosing an opinion when there is khilaf? Yes, we understand the Prophet ﷺ said, when there is actually different options, take the easiest. But who decides what's the meaning of easiest? Is it your personal choice or a juristic choice? 
That's where the ulama come in to decide what's the meaning of aysarahuma, the, the easiest, not necessarily on a personal level, but on a juristic level, which is something we can discuss later, inshallah. We're going to come to these questions afterwards, inshallah. But let's finish all of this and then we get you the chance. So again, we have the acceptable, the unacceptable. Next, we have diverse khilaf and contradictory khilaf. Khilaf tanawu' diverse khilaf, and khilaf tadad contradictory khilaf. At-tanawu' means diverse, which means we have multiple opinions, like we said, just like saying, you know, different colors of the same thing, but, you know, they differ in certain ways. And then tadad contradictory when they run contrary to each other, against each other. So an example of the diverse khilaf, is the practice of salah, like we said earlier. That's diverse khilaf. But then when it comes to contradictory khilaf, when the ulama, they say, this is haram, and some others say, this is halal. So what's the difference over here? The difference right now is when you, when you deal with diverse khilaf, we say they're all valid, obviously, and you can practice either one. Should be fine, choose one. But when it comes to saying contradictory khilaf, technically speaking, one of them got to be wrong. When we say wrong, it doesn't mean to be invalid. It's a valid ijtihad, valid reasoning. But the outcome could have been could be wrong, and that's why as a jurist, as a student of knowledge, as a Muslim, I need to make a decision on which way to go on these matters. Why do we say one of them is, is wrong? Because the Prophet said that. He said, If the mujtahid, the alim, the scholar, makes an ishtihad, which means intellectual reasoning, to derive a ruling from the Qur'an or the Sunnah of the Prophet and that ishtihad appears to be correct, he says, فَأَصَابْ, correct, فَلَهُ أَجْرًا which means you have two rewards, one for making the effort and one for catching the, the, uh, uh, the right opinion or answer. When أَجْتَهَدَ فَأَخْطَأَ فَلَهُ أَجْرًا if the mujtahid does his effort, makes an effort, and they don't reach, and the Prophet says, which means was wrong in their ishtihad, they still get the reward for making the effort. So as a student of knowledge, when I hear multiple opinions, and these opinions are diverse, they don't really make a big deal, it's okay, that's fine. But when there are two opinions or three opinions and they're kind of contradicting, like for example, be specific about this issue, is the, the Zabiha thing, for example. Because now we have people who say, this is haram, if you eat from the, the meat of the people of the book, or this is halal. Now this is not like saying halal mustahab, wajib mustahab, like recommended or obligatory. No, we can't say that. This is still diverse. But when we say this is haram, which means you are sinful if you do it, or this is halal, which means you're token and reward to do it. Now these are two different opinions and they contradict. One of them got to be wrong, and one of them got to be right. Now, which one of them? That's where the ijtihad of the ulama comes in. But what is my etiquette as a follower of a alim, I'm a layman, I don't know what the difference really, so I'll just stick to one opinion and just go for it with this. But what if I deal with somebody who is not following the same opinion? How do we deal with each other if we don't follow the same opinions? But both of them are considered valid ijtihad, but not necessarily uh, uh, the correct answer. Next. <clears throat> Reasons, why do people differ and disagree? The standard is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying to us, وَأَمْرُهُمْ شُورًا بَيْنَهُمْ That who affairs are the, the believers determined by what? Consultation among themselves. Why do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that the affair of the believer should be what? Consultation, what does that mean to us? What do you guys understand from this ayah? 
discuss with each other. What does it mean exactly when you discuss with each other? It means people were going to already come with different opinions. That's what it means. Because if, they, if everybody comes with the, right, with the same opinion, same understanding, same way of thinking, what does it mean exactly? No need for sure. It can become given, all the same. But because we come with different opinions, different mindset, different you know, methodologies, different evidences and so on, there is a need for us to consult with one another because that means we're going to share things might not be the same. That's why shura is very important. The ulama divide these differences into classical and also contemporary reasons. There are classical reasons why, why we have difference of opinion and there's some contemporary reasons as well today. Let's see that. The classical reasons. Number one, difference of resources. What does it mean exactly? <clears throat> you see, not all, back in the days, mashallah, alhamdulillah, today for us, if you want to uh, seek knowledge, you don't have to go to the library anymore. You don't even have to go anywhere. Just pull your phone out of your pocket and make that search and tabarakallah, voila, you have access to billions of, of uh, documents and books and this and that and you have all what you need, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Not just that, it can also be, can come to you, you know, very well organized. And you could choose whichever link you want to you know, press on to find the difference of opinion, what the ulama said. So access to knowledge has become easy. But back in those days, not everybody has that privilege. You can't just carry books around like we do today. We carry these books, alhamdulillah, in a USB you know, flash drive and that's it. You go walk around with that. Back in the days to carry books, it's huge. So carrying books was impossible mission for them. So what do they do? They memorize them. So they have to memorize. Not everybody has access to the exact same knowledge. To travel today from China all the way to the other side of the world, it's simple and easy. You could do that in less than a day. Back in the days, to travel from one city to the other one takes forever. So to have access to the ulama, to the resources, to the books was different. Some ulama have resources, others didn't have. So obviously when you have access to more knowledge, you probably produce better decisions. Also, the availability of proof and evidence. The availability itself, actually. You know, even though you might be living in the same city, but subhanAllah, some ulama, they don't catch alim, so they die before they catch them. So the proof maybe is going to be missing from their hands. Uh, disagreement over authenticity. We might have the same resources. We got to the same proof. But then we argue about what? The authenticity of that proof. Whether it's hadith. So we say, no, this is weak. Others say, no, this is hasan or acceptable. Some ulama, they say, no, 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 listen. I don't even accept that altogether to begin with. Because the author is such and such. So we have difference of opinion over the authenticity of the source. Then we have disagreement over the interpretation of the source which is the most human thing right now. So we all agree on the source. We have the proof and evidence. We agree to, this, to its authenticity or maybe being acceptable, but then we disagree over what? What does it mean? Although it's the same thing, but we have now different human capacity, whether because of linguistic difference or juristic difference or whatever that is. Ulama, they interpret things differently. Give an example. Now, um, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, about wudu, in a simple message, about wudu. He says, That you wash your forearms all the way to the elbows. Okay, to your elbows. When Allah said to your elbows, when you wash your arm, do you have to wash your elbow or not? Basically, he gave us the boundary. What is the boundary? To the elbows. Now, is the boundary included or excluded? Suddenly my people that say, oh my God, don't, don't start this with me, please. You're going to ruin it for me now. <laughs> I've always understood that to be this way or that way. 
Well, again, it's a very subtle thing that has to do with a proposition such as which means two. So does that mean you include the boundary or exclude the boundary? Just to be on the safe side. Who, had, who said that you have to be on the safe side to be right? I'll take risk. I'm a risk taker. I don't mind it. Okay, yes? Washing over your elbow is part of the recommendation. Like when you enter a Jannah, you have lights. But it doesn't, see that, doesn't say that it's mandatory to do that. So when it comes to the minimum, is it included or excluded? The answer will come next year, inshallah ta'ala. <laughs> no, as you know, it's as simple as this message. We have diverse of opinion among the ulama. So the ulama, they start, this is a linguistic thing right now. And because it's, very, it's just linguistic, so the ulama, they try to investigate what does the Arab poetry says, what are different Arab cultures pronounced it, and there are different tribes and different dialects use the preposition in different positions, different actually understanding. So they came with these two understandings. Some they say included, some they say excluded. As simple as this. Which is why also it comes to the aura. Like when a man needs to pray, you cover all the way to your knees. Is the knee included or excluded? Very practical at the youth, you know, programs when they go and play basketball, right? The short is sure, is a masha long enough, but it doesn't cover the knee. So when you go to the sujood or ruku, what happens? The knee comes out. Is your salah invalid now? So that's a very serious issue. Whoa, I mean, that's a, I didn't know that. Well, again, is it included or excluded? So I believe it's actually, it's excluded, but... It's better to cover, it's better to wash, once again, because with the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that you have recommendation over here. The point is, it's a matter of interpretation. They all agree on the source, the hadith is existence, it's valid, but then what does it exactly mean? Number, number two, the contemporary reasons. So these were classical reasons from the past. Imam ibn Taymiyyah had a whole book on the classical reasons called like removal of the blame from the noble imams and ulama. He brings all the reasons why these ulama differs among themselves. Now, contemporary reasons for us today. Our difference of opinion has went way to different level. Way to different level. So when we talk about the number one, difference over resources, what does it mean exactly? Today, you know, 15 years ago, for example, 20 years ago, when we used to come to these conferences and different conferences, I used to hear questions from young brothers and sisters saying, Sheikh, you know, why does Allah subhanahu says that in the ayah? What's the meaning of this ayah? How do you understand this hadith? That's the questions back in the day. Nowadays, we're getting questions such as, why do I even have to follow a hadith? Who, who can prove the Quran is actually the word of Allah azza wa jal? How could we provide, prove this and that and so on? We have a problem right now with even validating, validating the source itself. People are questioning the once most sacred thing that we had in our deen. The book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of the Prophet which the messenger of Allah himself said, I have left two things with you in your hands. As long as you hold on to them, you shall be okay. Kitab Allah wa sunnati. The book of Allah and his example is sunnah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now we have people questioning these sources as well. How many of you maybe have sent, have heard these conversations with young brothers and sisters, even adults as a matter of fact? Say that this is I. Why? why? Who said that? That doesn't actually work in, the, in our time. Um, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? So questioning the sacred text. Number two, the, uh, the standard and moral values. What does that mean? What's the objective of the law? The objective of the law. Back in the days, in ulama, they said the standard, which we have the five 
objectives. We call them maqasid al-shari'a. The preservation of faith, the preservation of reason and aqa, the preservation of life, the preservation of wealth and, and, and progeny and honor. All these are actually sacred matters. Today we have other objectives when it comes to the rulings. Now the most common thing people refer to in order to validate right from wrong are no longer the five you know, principles that we, we believe in. Right now is actually the new principle of social justice. Who defines social justice today? That's why today we have among the Muslims those who allow certain behaviors, certain practices, certain ideologies to say it's okay, it's fine, you know, because yeah, we have to all be equal in that sense. But there's a difference between equal in the law and again, being right or wrong or, valid or invalid. So that's, that's where we have an issue today. Number three, the devaluation of religious scholarship and academia versus academia. What does it mean? There was a time when people come to halaqat al-ilm and knowledge circles, where do they come? They come in, mashallah, in thousands. Hundreds. And like, for example, knowledge retreats like these, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, will be even more and more people. Today, unfortunately, the ulama are no longer the most valuable people. I'll show you the, 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 uh, an example. And that's a fact of life, unfortunately. Maybe 15, 20 years ago, if you ever go to a Muslim fundraising, whether it's a humanitarian fundraising or a masjid fundraising or a school fundraising, you'll find on the, on the poster to attract people to come, a scholar's name and his picture. Today you have an entertainer. Because people are not going to come to the alim to listen to them. Not anymore. They can have them online, alhamdulillah, on demand. But I want to come and watch this or that of these comedians and so and so. That's a fact of life. We're dealing with uh, devaluation of, of, uh, of scholarship. Why? Because people now, they have access to knowledge easily that they think they don't need the ulama to give them access to that knowledge. And obviously with the, with the control of that knowledge under their tip of uh, finger, uh, now that I don't need the alim anymore, I can, I can search it on my own. Like many people, they come to me in case of divorce, they say, Sheikh, well, I, 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 I research it on my own, I find that my wife is not divorced from me. So what are you asking me then? Like, mashallah, if you have done your research, tabarakallah, and what's your specialty on it? But people to this level, they research things, dangerous things, and they make their own judgments. So, as a result, when an alim says, it's haram, says, I disagree. Based on what? I just don't like him. That's not, that's not enough answer, you know, reason for you to dis dismiss an opinion just because I don't like that scholar. Number four, the new tri tribalism, which is the political partisanship that we have, in our society today. I don't have to speak about this anymore because it's very obvious and clear. Even in the Muslim country itself, subhanAllah, people differ on matters, serious matters of the deen, of our social you know, practices and so forth. Why? Because of political support. Special Muslim countries, we always know, they've always been conservative, suddenly things have changed. And now they're announcing even their heritage. Like that was all wrong. SubhanAllah, all of this because of political uh, change. Uh, radical individualism. Like in our time today, many people, they live a life, which is I call the I culture. It's all about me right now, self-centered culture and everything, the selfie culture. The self-promoting you know, culture in itself right now is also causing a lot of people to hold on to opinions just because there's no justification behind them other than just being different. And today, being different is the cool thing. That's, the, that's what, what our kids are growing up learning. Being different is the cool thing. Not necessarily the right thing, but it's the cool thing. And then we have the culture of <coughs> necessary opposition, like I said itself. 
You have to disagree. To, to leave a mark or become, you know, recognized, disagreement seems to be actually a better option for people than agreeing. I'm going to go quick, inshallah, for the sake of time. Uh, now let's talk about, okay, I understand, I know my limits, but still we're going to have differences. I differ with my spouse, I differ with my child, differ with my uncle, my aunt, my sheikh, my imam, whatever, right? I differ with many, many people. But if I do have these differences, how should we interact with each other, no matter what the differences are? So let's talk about the list that you should avoid. Do not do these things. Number one, arguing for the sake of argument. What does that mean? Some people, they just get into arguments, not because it makes sense or because they're looking for the truth. It's just very entertaining. It's just really very entertaining. Like many, many people, you go to gathering, the moment they see the sheikh coming in, they start asking all these weird questions. Like, why? Because it's fun. No, it's not fun. That's a very serious subject, very serious matter. We should not trivialize the subject of our deen and our life. Number two, mistaking emotions for passion. What does that mean? Some people, some people, they're very passionate about a cause, but it goes beyond the passion to become very personal to them. Now, avoid taking these things personally. Like, for example, in some culture, like eating the biha, for example. For some culture, in some culture, eating the biha has become just like the fundamental aspect of Islam. And if you don't do that, you're non-Muslim. But I say, La ilaha Muhammad Rasulullah, you're a fake Muslim. It doesn't work like this. So there's a difference between passion and emotion. Don't take things personally if there are juristic matters, juristic issues, and so on. Number three which we covered actually already over here. Number four, transgressing and lacking patience. Ibn Qayyim, Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said in his book, Al-Istiqama, he said, uh, um, the reason why we have fitna and, and problems in the Muslim community, it's because of two things. Number one, al-baghi sabr Number one, al-baghi. Al-baghi means transgressing from one side, and from the second side is what? Absence of patience, lack of patience. Like someone just randomly transgress and say something to you that makes you, that provokes your anger, right? Now, if you just let it go, you made it worse. But if you hold on to yourself and control your behavior and say, you kill it there and we're done. Alhamdulillah. But our problems is when someone transgresses and the other one now counter transgression with further transgression. And we keep escalating the situation and becomes a competition. Who's going to be more in terms of, you know, having the right to be angry? Which is what happens usually between a husband and wife, by the way. That's what happens between a husband and wife. The husband says something, for example, you know, didn't mean it probably. But the wife gets offended. So she replies back with something more offensive. He gets more offended right now. He fights back again and all that stuff. And that's why a husband and wife, sometimes they, they, they fight over the food. Let's say she asks him, she goes, so what do you think? She cooked something nice. What do you think? He just gave her the honest answer. I think it lacks a little bit of salt. Really? Why don't you put it yourself then? Why don't you cook it yourself then? Why do you keep saying like that? So, so, what? You asked me for an honest I didn't ask you for your opinion. What you just said? You're, and then suddenly from talking about food to talk about his mom, your mom, your dad. and We're fighting over these issues. In some trivial issues, the same thing happens sometimes in fiqh matters. In fiqh matters. SubhanAllah, we start studying fiqh together and then when we differ, ego kicks in. And everybody right now want to preserve themselves and protect themselves. 
um, getting angry versus acting angrily. It's okay to get angry if someone says something wrong. It's okay to get angry, but that doesn't justify behaving angrily. Anger is an emotion, it's okay, and the Prophet got angry many, many times. Hadith describing him sometimes saying that his face would turn red, وسلم, but find me one single hadith, found one single hadith where he behaved in a wrong way, وسلم, as a result of being angry. Never. Because it was always in control of his behavior, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Personality versus character assassination here, versus, you know, really just going uh, over the, you know, defeating the argument itself. When people don't feel defeated in the argument, what do they do? What do they do? They turn it personal. And they start going after the person themselves. No, you, who are you to tell me that even in the first place? Look at you. You start talking about another person. And the harshest criticism is when you criticize people and things they have absolutely no control over. What is that? Their looks, their personal personality. So that one becomes really, really ugly. Because I can't change this. So therefore avoid that, avoid the character assassination. And then rejecting the clear truth. That is becoming now one of the ugliest things. Why? Because when you turn very personal, you know, now with a lot of emotions, ego uh, kicks in, all that stuff, we reject the truth, and we reject the truth becomes what? An act of arrogance, as the Prophet وسلم, said. May Allah protect us from this, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Which is why many of the people who just always try to be different, they act out of, you know, um, not ego, of arrogance. Narcissistic traits, basically. Now, the things you should do and observe while you're having discussions or arguments with people as part of the etiquette. Number one, clear your intentions and keep it, keep it as clear as possible. Clear your intentions. Why are you having this discussion in the first place? Are you looking for the truth? If you are, be my guest. Move on. If not, just be quiet. Number two, having good assumptions of people. Just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean they're after you. That doesn't mean they're trying to undermine your authority or your uh, 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 maybe organization, whatever that is. You don't have to. Just have clear assumption, inshallah, of the people unless you have an evidence to suggest otherwise. Give them excuse. Maybe they have evidences different than yours. Maybe they were taught differently. Just give them the excuse. Number three, referring matters to people of knowledge. If you guys both are talking about something you have no clue what you're talking about, just stop there. And then ask those who have the knowledge. Just give it a chance, look back into it, inshallah ta'ala, and don't make your own research. Take a short cut and ask a knowledgeable person. They will help you out, inshallah ta'ala. That's what Allah says. He says, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ You ask those who have the knowledge if you don't have the knowledge yourself. Number four, allow qualified scholars their own ijtihad. Just because you don't like the scholar or his opinion or her opinion, it doesn't mean you should, you, they're wrong. Simply maybe to you. If this person is a qualified scholar and alim, and that alim or scholar produces an ishtihad that is valid ishtihad, an acceptable ishtihad, but maybe different than what you expect from, from, from yourself or from them, it's okay. They're, they're, I don't disqualify the whole alim and the whole knowledge institute altogether. Keep the, um, the divide uh, rational, not emotional. No matter how it goes, remember, you keep that divide between you and the people rational, not emotional. Emotions, if you let them take control of things, they become actually completely destructive. Next, continue the discussion to remove the disagreement. Just because we, we, uh, uh, we have some issue doesn't mean we cannot continue the discussion. As long as you, you, uh, you observe the adab and the etiquette of talking with each other, you can still continue disagreeing with each other. 
That's fine. Bring the evidences. Prove it. But you don't have to uh, be bad or be actually uh, offensive about it. And then finally here, stay humble. Admit your limits and submit to the truth. Stay humble. Admit your limits. Know your limits. No, you know what? I don't understand this. Maybe you understand better than me, but honestly, I don't. Admit that. And always adhere to the truth. Imam al-Shabi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he taught us actually a very golden uh, statement when it comes to dealing with each other and differ with each other. He says in his etiquette and his attitude towards disagreeing with people, he says, قَالَ قَوْلِ صَوَابِ يَحْتَمِلُ الْخَطَأِ وَقَوْلُكَ خَطَأَ يَحْتَمِلُ الصَّوَابِ To me, says to me, my opinion is correct. But possibly it could be wrong. And your opinion to me is wrong, but it could be right. What does that mean? He's always, he always comes with, a, with a, a critical mind and open mind as well. Like I'm open-minded. For me, I'm following this opinion because I assume this to be the right one. But if you can prove me wrong, please be, do me a favor. Bring me the evidences. Provide me with the, with the proof so I can follow the other opinion. So if we all come to discussion and arguments, whether it's husband, wife, parents together, anybody, wallahi, we will solve ourselves a lot of troubles and a lot of problems. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep our hearts united, Ya Rabbil Alameen, and give us all the clear intentions to be united, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim. Wallahu a'ala. When interpreting issues, do we have to follow the scholar's interpretations and pick one scholar or one interpretation? Can we choose among the differences of opinions, and is that dangerous? Okay, so the question is about what, we, what the ulama call it talfiq, which means like a cut and paste and copy and paste from different opinions. Now, here's the thing. Today, there's a culture where people, they say, you don't have to adhere to one particular madhab. You have to talk one maslak, whether you're Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi, Hanbali, all the way to the end. Now, that is okay if someone is studying these madhab for the subject, for the, for the case of knowledge. Also, as a beginner, you begin by studying one particular school of thought. So you adhere to one particular scholar, one particular imam, one particular madhab at the beginning. But as you advance in your studies as a student of knowledge, then eventually you're going to branch out to other opinions as well too. In the past, the ulama, they never adhered to one particular maslak, one particular imam all the way. Why? Because they have a lot of ulama, a lot of knowledge, alhamdulillah, said it was, they always switch from one opinion to the other one, based on what? Based on the, the validity of the opinions, the validity of the evidences and the proofs. So they always have a reason to follow other ulama. Uh, then, later on in our time, ulama established the, what we call them today, madahib, which means became an organized institution of fiqh. So later on in the generation of the Ummah, when the level of knowledge dropped down and the society dropped down, went to troubles, ulama, they say, you know what, don't worry about anything, just follow one madhab, you'll be fine. And that became the stagnation era for a very, very long time. We live in a revival time. And that revival time, honestly, is the time, where, alhamdulillah, we're reverting back to these original days. Where we have, especially here in America, alhamdulillah, we have diverse community. People come from different backgrounds. It's not like living in one area where the majority follow one particular school of thought. So here, if you ask about here in America, your madhab, honestly, is the madhab of the imam you always follow, or the sheikh that you follow, or the imam of your masjid that you ask all the time. Whatever they say, you go for, go for it. If you don't have any specific imam and you, you study with different shiukh, whatever they tell you, just follow their opinion, inshallah. If they give you a difference of opinion, choose one and move on with that. Yes. Uh, just real quickly, because someone, of course, asked about uh, the uh, uh, had a comment with uh, the Bihad. There's actually a great uh, YouTube video of Sheikh Qasim, just uh, debating with uh, Sheikh Qasim Qawli. 
So I would highly recommend <laughs> going there and uh, watch it in its entirety. It's an excellent video. It's also great to see how Arana actually debate respectfully with one another as well. Um, so By the way, just to let you know, one time Sheikh Yasser Qadi, Sheikh Walid Basuni, and myself, we ate in the same restaurant. It's not a joke, it's real actually. <laughs> we went to a restaurant together in Houston. So Sheikh Walid Basuni, he ordered, it's not a halal, a halal يعني, restaurant, but we went there. So Sheikh Walid Basuni, he ordered a steak. Uh, I ordered actually chicken, Sheikh Yasser ordered fish. And we, we ate together, Alhamdulillah. Now, go ahead. <laughs> No. Uh, inshallah, our next session uh, will begin at 2.15. We have to bring out